0: Welcome back to The Brave New Workforce, the podcast that is changing the way the world works. My name is Tripp O'Dell, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Anna Cadena and Larry Cornett. Today, we're going to talk about some of the flashier ways that some companies compete to attract and retain talent.
1: That's right, especially because when you're about to lock up star talent or top talent, salary might not always uh, get the job done. That's why when you look at uh, a lot of companies, you may be surprised by some of the perks that they offer their workers, like free soda and food and pool tables and gaming sessions and all this fun little perks uh, that you see it in movies and on the news.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are shocked at the perk culture at some companies, uh, particularly in places like tech where Larry and I both worked. I mean, I'm
2: sure Larry has some stories of over-the-top perks yeah, it's like I won't name the company. I'll just say it rhymes with schmoogle. Um, I was on campus.
1: Oh, very, doing, <laughs> very mysterious.
2: I don't think I don't think I gave it away there. Um, <laughs> so I, I remember this was years ago, being on their campus interviewing, and uh, the recruiter was walk me around, and you know they showcase all those perks because that's that's how they try to hook you, and it was over the top. I mean, there was food everywhere, of course, snacks everywhere. And she kept saying, do you want a snack? Do you want some food? It's like, I'm fine. I really don't need a snack or I don't need food. And then we walked by where it's like, we wrap your holiday presents and ship them for you. Here's where you can see the dentist. Here's where the doctor shows up. Out there's where you get a haircut. We'll wash your clothes for you. I mean, everything, everything you could ever imagine. And as you were saying, Trip, I think... I think there's a dark side to some of these perks, but it sounds like you're saying we're a little bit entitled. Well, maybe a little bit. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I thought I, that
1: was just my generation.
2: Well,
0: <laughs> the last big company I was with uh, was Amazon, which is uh, it kind of goes the opposite direction. They're very frugal, uh, but they. They are a lot bigger on the compensation. They have this tenant around ownership. So it's not universal to all tech companies, but it's definitely a big uh, deal for a lot of people. And it's a big attraction for a lot of people. But as you say, Larry, there's an ulterior motive to that. If you're not wrapping your Christmas gifts as somebody else is wrapping that for you, uh, that's more time for you to be at your desk. So they, they definitely have a purpose. And there are some that are completely over the top, like, schmoogle and some other companies (laughs) of that size and and shape have their own private bus lines uh in the bay area that take people to back and forth in air-conditioned uh very cushioned comfort with free wi-fi connections to and from home every day and that costs tens of thousands of dollars per employee per year so we're going to dig into like okay we're no longer a completely on-site company how do you attract and retain the best talent without breaking the bank and how do those perks change for people that are working from their homes?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point because it's like, I think there was a Glassdoor survey in 2017 that said 57% of people say that those perks and those benefits are in their top considerations when they're taking a look at a job offer. So I think you're right. It's, it's hard to wean yourself off of those perks. And now that we're all working from home, many of us are, we haven't gone back into the offices. How does that translate? What do you do when you no longer have people coming to these glamorous campuses?
0: Well, yeah, I think also when you take a deeper look at that, you need to unbundle the benefits like health care for your family. That's absolutely crucial. And here in the United States where we don't have uh, universal health care, you've got to work in order to have that kind of health care for your family. So that's, that is critical and having good, good benefits there is important. The perks get lumped in with it, but it is, it's, it's like the, uh, the first free sample at the Costco you go through and by the side, you know, you go in, you get a, a delicious meatball and you come out with 50 pounds of meatballs. It's, there's too much of a good thing. What are these, Perks actually do for you uh, in terms of your work-life balance. What's the what's the purpose of them in the organization? And if we move to a remote work organization, how does that? How do you translate that so that's an attractive, natural part of the culture that you're trying to build in your company? Anna, what do you think? Are we entitled?
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, you make an interesting point because I knew a guy at Zappos, and he mentioned that. Um, he had seen throughout his career, you know, he was in his 40s by this point, that the women would often take the the good healthcare benefit job, which might be lower paying, and then the man would go ahead and take the more higher paying, but obviously, quote unquote, riskier job in terms of benefits. So if we kind of kill that, we have a better playing field in terms of the pay for both genders, I think. And we don't have to make, at least the Americans don't have to make the decision between a high salary versus no benefits or benefits and no salary, you know, or very little salary. So that's, that's one of the, examples I've seen.
0: I think that's a really important point because I think a lot of these companies believe that people come there because of the perks or, uh, but if you talk to any employee, employer out there that is trying to attract knowledge workers or is try, trying to att- track, the typical office worker culture, uh, They, you have to have medical benefits to be competitive for good talent. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't have to work in order to pay for your health care, would most people go and work for a company like that, even if they could make money and more money elsewhere? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a very complicated question around how much freedom do i have to be able to do what i want do the work that is most important to me and make a living doing it versus risking the health of my family versus hey who hates a back massage uh you know who who, who wouldn't mind a chauffeured ride home every evening or you know surprise trips to the water park or whatever your your morale event or concerts by lady gaga uh which happens right? Like those, those are the things. So there's a whole gradient of this. And I think how do we get back to a more normal, balanced life of work and where we work and how we live?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think the perk culture kind of got out of control. When I first started in Silicon Valley, I mean, the perks were your basic company perks. It's like you had a 401k, you had medical benefits, maybe you had a signing bonus. There was some food on campus, but let me tell you, it wasn't free. (laughs) It was maybe subsidized, but a lot of that just was kind of the way every business operated. And then it really got to be a bit of an arms race in Silicon Valley where everybody said, well, we have this. And then another company's like, well, then we're going to add these five perks to get you to come here. And I think it all kind of comes back to what the original intent was, was attracting, retaining talent and keeping them on campus for as long as possible. They didn't want people leaving campus. Well, now that everybody's at home, I think those perks have to change. I think it has to become, how do I facilitate you working from home so you can get work done and be happy? And I think the nature of what those perks are, are going to completely change. And you've been working remotely, Anna. What do you think would entice somebody who's working remotely to work for a company? What kind of perks could they offer?
1: Yeah, actually, um, I know you mentioned earlier that the perks uh, are what entices people, but you know we've seen studies that it only retains them for 18 months. So the perks aren't even working to the full extent that these companies are looking for. And I think what people really want at the core of everything is the flexibility and the the seeking of being able to choose between what is valuable to them because having a pool table in the break room is great and all, but maybe that's not something they particularly want or desire. I mean, they might just feel more inclined to spend that extra time with their family if that's possible. I think now toward moving towards the future of what we're looking at, uh, the trends that we're seeing, people are valuing more of that flexibility time, being able to go to their kid's soccer game, being able to go to the doctor without having to you know, get into the nitty gritty details about why they need to take the time off are things that are people are valuing much more than free snacks.
0: And I think that's really insightful uh, because when you're looking at, it comes down to opportunity costs. Time at the office is not time at home with people you love. Um, I've have friends all over the tech world um, around the world. And, you know, you have those top tier companies. Um, one, uh, you know, I, I went to, have dinner with a friend at Facepad once, uh, who uh, who <laughs> who uh, invited me over for dinner. Uh, so I met this person for dinner uh, at the office and got to tour and saw the ball pit, conference room, and the dinner. And I saw families there. And the thing that I was struck by is like it's seven o'clock and there's a wife and uh, and two young children there having dinner with one of the engineers and she's leaving without dad, right? Uh, My friend felt pressured not to ride their bike to work, but rather take the company provided Uber because they felt, well, your time is valuable. We want you here as, you know, we want you to be able to spend time. You You can't do that kind of stuff. We need your head free and you can't do that when you're on the bike. And he's like, but I enjoy riding my bike. So there's this implied sense of ownership of your entire life, not just your work life. There is no work and life. And I think that's one of the big perks, the invisible perks that people don't, everybody knows it, but nobody wants to admit that I want that freedom back in my life and working from home allows me to put a hundred percent more life into that work-life balance.
1: Yeah. And I think we're seeing trends of it in, in, especially in, the mid to uh, t- 2010 onwards about like the minimalist movement or Marie Kondo, like does this, do these items spark joy? There's much more of a conversation around conscious consumerism, conscious efforts of what you bring into your house or what you bring to your table, if it's organic or whatever kind of food lifestyle choices you have. So it's only makes sense that our environment is shifting towards a more conscious way we work too. if our personal lives are being discussed about minimalism and taking out all the crap in your life, it's, it only makes sense that we would be, we, we would be thinking about the, the workforce, uh, with that in, in place.
2: Yeah. It's interesting because we were just talking with somebody last night and he was mentioning that he is afraid to take his vacation time. I mean, that's a perk that we've had forever. He's afraid to take his vacation time because there's no one to back him up or to take over his work. And he knows things are going to get out of control. So instead, he stays at work. I didn't take a vacation for eight years in Silicon Valley. Eight years. Because of the, all those reasons, I knew that everything would pile up while I was gone. There wasn't, everybody wasn't on vacation at the same time because that's changed in Silicon Valley, the whole concept of a shutdown over holidays. And so it's like you have these perks. But the one thing you don't have is, one, the ability to even exercise them. Like I had all those perks at Yahoo where it's like, here's the table where you can play pool, and here's where you can play ping pong. And it's like, I never used them once in four years. I was working nonstop, 12-hour days. I didn't have a time to take a break like that. I personally hate foosball. I'm not good at it. So it doesn't, it doesn't
0: like that, that. That's not a big perk for me, but I think the other thing too it's is because that
1: because you lose from all the champions around you. That's why oh. it's just,
0: it's just a, it's just a, a tabletop extension of my athletic abilities uh, or lack thereof. <laughs> uh, so, so the, the, but, but I think that's exactly right. Is that fear of taking the time that you've earned? People are like, Oh, I get It's like, no, you earn that time. That's part of the deal. But I think even there's this backlash against quote unquote remote work, uh, that people, people put air quotes around it because they feel like you're, well, you're Mm -hmm. not really working if you're at home and the, the data doesn't back that up. They've been measuring that during the pandemic and, you know, places like Japan, they cut out two days out of the work week and they had a 10% improvement or 20% improvement in productivity. People are reporting like, my God, I'm working from home and I'm working more than ever. Uh, And so I don't like this idea of remote. It's really about geographically unrestricted teams. But I think when one of the things that, if you can open your mind around like, okay, so how is that different? One of the things that's different is that you can tell a potential employee if you come and work for us, you'll get your two or three weeks of vacation. We'll also give you 50 to 100 days a year more of your time back because you don't have to commute.
2: You know, it's interesting. I think because of all this, we're going to see a shift in perks to something that is more deeply meaningful to people than all this these baubles. So all these fun little things that you mm-hmm. get to have when you're in the office, they're kind of gone. And so I think the clever companies and HR organizations are going to look at this and say, what is the most valuable thing we can give people? The most valuable thing we can give them their time. We can give them their time back. We can give them access to their friends and family that they were losing for all these years. We can give them their health back. What if you get back your time, your health and time with friends and family? Isn't that worth more than any foosball table in an office somewhere? So I think the companies are going to crush it with remote work are the ones that are going to think very cleverly about this and say it's not about throwing money at the problem. It's about solving some of these issues like we were just talking about. Have someone have a backup person so they can take a vacation and feel good about it. What do you think, Anna?
1: Yeah, um, I think the best companies are the ones that can safely release control because the worst thing that – one can do when trying to transition from a physical company to a remote company is what trip said, they're not working. So we have to monitor them and have, you know, a 1984 kind of mentality on our, on our people. And that's just a toxic environment. It's nobody's going to be super happy and they'll be looking elsewhere uh, for, for an environment that they feel trusted and valued. in. so well, you, I, you- Go You're ahead. spoiling
0: a future episode, Anna, because like I, I would say it's not a 1984, it's an 1894 uh, mentality around very top-down shop foreman on the factory floor. Uh, this is how job and work gets done. And that's not how we work. I think like the point of Perks is to try to make people's lives easier so that they're more productive. Mm-hmm. And these all sound like truisms, but... You guys know i'm a big nerd and i like to dive in on the data and i did some i did some looking at what these perks actually cost these companies uh and what alternative perks could look like things like meal delivery or fully subsidized childcare, or uh a budget to renovate your home office or enough good equipment to ha- and a, and a and a fully like decked out internet connection to have meaningful video calls or the right computer equipment to do all the things you need to do for your job and not struggle along those are those are the things that we really should be looking for and we can provide in links to in the show notes but these companies are spending tens and tens of thousands of dollars per employee every year to provide perks and benefits in a location that people are only there eight hours a day out of 24 a day so they're paying for the real estate, they're paying for all the foosball tables, they're paying for all the free meals, they're paying for all of the uh morale events, they're paying for all of the discounts, they're paying for all of the pet insurance, chair massages, all of these other things. I'd rather have dinner at my home with my wife and kids and not have 2 hours in a car every day. That's the best
2: thing you could do for me. So trip you've looked at these numbers, like what it costs to have one of these massive tech campuses with all the benefits and the shuttles and you name it and everything that it costs to run a campus like that operationally. Do the numbers map out that you could cover providing these benefits we've been talking about? People in their home getting ergonomic assessment, having a meal delivered, having maybe somebody come and clean their home, whatever it might be, to keep people kind of focused and productive, could it be covered? Absolutely, and then some.
0: So you look at a company like Schmoogle, which in the Bay Area or Seattle or New York is probably spending $200 a square foot uh, per office uh, to to build that out, these are multi-story towers or big sprawling campuses. Personal space allocation per employee is about 150 square feet. Uh, and then you throw in their laptop, and you throw in all the office furniture, and you throw in all of the air conditioning and lighting and all of the other events. The buses alone cost about $40,000 per head per year. Uh, the, when, you, when you add all of that up and you look at an apples-to-apples apples comparison, and I did a breakout on the total cost of what it costs to have an employee, say, on-site in the Bay Area versus someplace like Ann Arbor, Michigan. When you look at it in terms of gross revenue attribution, you take the blended rate of all of your headcount versus your annual revenue, it's about 36% higher for a remote employee. So not only are they cheaper, not only do you retain them longer, uh, not only will they work for a little bit less, they will have a fantastic life and they will be happy and do the best work of their careers for you. Uh, And you're not spending... Hundreds and millions of thousands of dollars of recruiting time to backfill these people that are leaving out of eighteen after eighteen months because money and perks will not make them happier over the long run, uh, and so yes, you
2: could build other schmoogles out of the money they would save. Yeah, I think the next two years, I'll say, because I've seen this uh, this whole pandemic and all the events that are going on right now have accelerated everything. I would have said five years, but we're seeing so much change even in a few months that I think in the next two years, we're going to see an incredible shift to the companies that get it and understand the benefits, both in terms of financial for themselves, but also for their employees, finding the best talent around the world. Like you said, retaining, you know, if I'm living in the middle of nowhere and I'm making good money and I have perks and benefits and all this stuff coming from a company and I can work at home, why would I leave? You know, there's no one else around me locally where I can have to, you know, they're not competing with other employers. So why would I ever leave?
1: Yeah. And um, I want to play devil's advocate. What about all the extroverts that like really love getting the energy from an office setting and, you know, schmoozing at the water cooler? What about those guys? Because they, this seems like an utter nightmare uh, sitting at home by themselves uh, trying to work at a desk.
0: So I'm one of those. I'm one of I'm I'm the token extrovert in this group. Uh, Really? What? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yes. I like to walk around the office. I like to talk to people. I like to see what's going on. Uh, A lot of times, that would be my break. Uh, When I was working, I would go heads down for a while, get blocked, and I'd walk around. Uh, I've largely replaced that uh, with groups like Brilliant Forge and some other Slack groups that I belong to, and I talk to people message with them on a daily basis. Uh, we get on you know, quick video chats to catch up. and I'm more connected to people in my community. I'm more connected with my family, and I'm more connected with people that they don't have to work at the same company as I do, but I get to chat with them on a consistent basis. So I have a, I have so, so I, I don't have as many eggs in one basket. And I'm not stuck on that team with that one guy. That drives everybody nuts. I may be that guy, but so
1: yeah. another kind of counterpoint. What happens if your house is just a chaotic mess? You got in-laws living there. You've got children under the age of four running around. The dog is barking. Some people just can't work in an, an environment like that and prefer kind of a quieter office setting. What solutions are are there for those guys?
2: You know, I've I've thought a little bit about that, and I because I think what we're going to end up having. Is a bit of a hybrid model. So I think once restrictions are kind of eased and, and we've maybe actually flattened the curve this time, the offices, some offices will reopen in a minimal fashion. And I think some people will choose that. They'll say, I'd rather be back in that office. That's where I am at my best. A lot of people, and we've seen the data on this, they're saying, you know what? I've kind of figured this out. I want to stay home forever. I don't want to go back to the office. I want to work at home forever. And they've they found a way to make it work. I think the in-between is going to be having co-working spaces, but distributed more across the world. So I think all the small communities, there'll be micro working spaces where if I want to get out of my home and I want to be around other people, I go five minutes downtown or away from my house and I get into a co-working space. And now I've got kind of that buzz and that hum that people like in the office, but I don't have to commute an hour or two to work anymore like I used to.
0: Well, I think the other thing too is, okay, so we threw out the number of $200 a square foot or $180 a square foot. Those really cool little tiny houses you can put in the backyard and separate, you know, create some space for yourself, that's maybe $20,000. That figures out to $125 a square foot and it's a one-time purchase. It's not annual rent that you're paying uh, on that employee. You could rent space back from the employee, sublease space that they have that they're 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 dedicating. You can create budgets around this, or you know it can go to something like a WeWork subscription because it, it's not we're, we're never not leaving our houses again. Uh, there, but it's a more reasonable thing around this, and the the compounding impacts of just allowing people to work remotely, it's not only a win for the company, it's a win for the employee, but it's also a win for things like the environment. We haven't have had cleaner air than we have right now in years because of the number of cars that aren't on the road uh, and getting around town. There's, there's a lot of compounding benefits to this, but companies just need to think differently about how, just like every other aspect of this, it's not just... Oh, now everybody's at home. You have to think differently about how all of this stuff fits together, and what's the right kind of perk to attract the, and retain people.
1: So I hate to be the one that's always the negative Nancy, going the what ifs and the bits and the. But it's you know I'm thinking about the listener who's this might be completely new territory, and I want to answer their questions. And so, how does an employee, remote or otherwise, bring this to the attention of management that might be a little concerned about all the extras, you know, because that means that they would have to disband or deconstruct their current perk principles right now in order to kind of appease more of these remote employees. Like, what would be a good first step into transitioning from the perks of a physical model to a digital model?
2: Yeah, I'm going to say it because I, I think that, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but that is one of the things that we do. When you look at my partners here in Brave New Companies, which is uh, something that we have formed to help companies with this transition. That's how we advise companies. We know that this is going to continue. We know that there are tools and processes that have to change. We know that perks have to change. The way you form your company culture is probably going to have to change. So we're here to help people with that transition, but... I'm sure there are a lot of other resources that they could tap into as well.
1: I swear, I was not trying to set us up for a sponsorship boost. Okay? I know, I don't think
2: you were. <laughs> but that's, but that's why, that's why Larry's,
0: Larry's, Larry's also a lot nicer <laughs> than I am because my answer to that would be, start dusting off your resume then, because a company that's, <laughs> that won't look at these kinds of problems, uh, or these types of opportunities, are the companies that are may not make it out of this when you take when you say that look i can make your company 36 percent more gross revenue per year versus your like that's money that goes back into reinvesting that's more money that goes to stockholders like if you if, if if stockholders started looking at these types of expenses with the lens of like what money are they not getting back for this they would you'd start seeing ceos get fired over what they're spending to keep people on perks and not retaining that knowledge and that culture.
1: So, as we begin to wrap up the podcast, I just want to kind of let's leave some, uh, the listeners some takeaways. Let's say it's uh, an employee that wants to kind of approach this conversation about remote, being remote permanently. Let's say, how can what advice do you guys have on best ways to approach it instead of just Boosting up and buffering up the uh, resume is there a more diplomatic approach to talking to the manager because he might be a reasonable guy You know what I mean?
2: I think I mean, I think an easy first step And I remember being in those shoes and trying to figure out how to raise a touchy topic with a boss And I think there are resources like this podcast There's been a lot of talk online and a lot of articles about companies that are doing this They're making the transition to hundred percent remote forever and they're giving perks and benefits to their employees to make them more effective at home and more happy at home and all kinds of things like ergonomic assessments and you know some kind of a, a an allowance for equipment and so forth. So I think there are a lot of examples that could be brought together that you could say, hey, boss, have you thought about this or have you seen this? This might be an easy way for us to actually be more effective, to save a little money in the company. The people who want to do it can. You know, Here's a company that's making it work.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good advice.
0: I think the other way is to look at this from a perspective of how do you speak the language of business and put this in terms that the business can understand. So talk to your HR business partners, talk to your executives. The important thing to do is to be able to speak about these problems in the language of business. In the same way that we've talked about things like gross revenue and, you know, your profit and loss statement. Go figure out and do an apples to apples comparison. Like look at things like your attrition, right? If you've got people coming, leaving every 18 months, that's knowledge that goes out the door, but it's also recruiting time and all of the invisible time that's spent vetting and interviewing uh, candidates. I think for every candidate that comes to a tech company, minimum 38, 40 hours of work goes into a single candidate and most of them they say no to uh, you, So you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars for every month that there isn't a butt in that seat doing the work that needs to get done, time doesn't stop. The company doesn't stop. That's missing revenue. So when you look at that, you look at the retention, you look at the the lack of knowledge loss. you look at better ways of working and retaining that knowledge, you look at a more intelligent deployment of the company's resources in the form of perks and the right types of perks to attract and retain. That's the way to do it. And those are the things that we specialize and we work with, with clients on. Yeah. But I think that's a good way to start that conversation.
1: And I just want to make a note that you can come to your boss with all the facts and figures, but people tend to buy emotionally. So if you can bring an emotion. Not on
0: Amazon, but But yes. Okay,
1: Mr. Cynic. (laughs) So, um, I mean, Yeah, it can be great to get all the research pieces together and just present this, you know, hard numbers to numbers facts to your boss, but that might not be the convincing approach that they need. So understand, I think, another part of what do they care about, what's important to them, and maybe talk more on the emotional side of, say, like how, you know, ask questions like, have you been closer to your family? Is this better for you? And trying to approach it from a more emotional side as well as the facts and figures I think will present a stronger case to your argument.
2: So if you liked what you heard today, subscribe, email us, let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like a little more help trying to figure out how to transition to this brave new workforce for your company, we're here to help. Anna, where can they find out more?
1: Yeah, you can um, get updates on future episodes at either com or bravenewcompanies.com. Well,
0: that's it. Another episode of Brave New Workforce in the can. This is fun, guys. Uh, so this is Trip, Anna, and Larry uh, saying have a great week. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and better days are coming.